Podcast Answer Man, episode number 345. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Hello, everyone. This is Michael Hyatt from This Is Your Life and MichaelHyatt.com. You're listening to the man who has trained more people to podcast than anyone else on the planet. My friend Cliff Ravenscraft, he is the podcast answer man. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Podcast Answer Man. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this, my friends, is the podcast devoted to taking your message, your business, and your life to the next level. That's right. It doesn't matter if you are brand new to this online content creating world or if you've been creating content for many years, there's something we can all do to take everything we do in life to the next level. Ah, that's right. And of course, taking our Flappy Bird scores to the next level is not something that everyone can do, because if you did not get in and get your Flappy Bird when you had the window of opportunity, that Flappy Bird has flown on by you, my friends. (laughs) We'll talk about Flappy Bird a little bit today in this episode once I get into the social media segment with Eric J. Fisher and We'll see if we can't find some way to squeeze the Flappy Bird into fitting, making it a good fit for social media. And I already can think of what reasons why it would. Uh, but yeah, we're going to have in this episode a social media segment. We're going to talk about uh, Facebook's paper app and how me personally, I've actually used it to replace my Facebook mobile app altogether. We're going to talk about the the whitification of Twitter Uh, On their web platform, we're going to talk a little bit about that and also some other design elements that they're looking to do to make it look a little bit more like Facebook. That's coming. All that's going to be in the social media segment. After the social media segment, I'm going to be talking with none other than Michael Stelzner from Social Media Examiner. And we're going to talk about whether or not you guys listening to this episode is social media marketing world. Is that conference something you guys should be considering? We're going to talk about what the conference is and and uh, when when Mike says, hey, this is the largest conference uh, that brings the marketers around the world to one event, this is, are you a marketer? We're going to talk about that. And of course, uh, there's probably the, what my good friend Ray uh, Edwards always says, the ever so infamous and much, much more. Now, before we get into the social media segment and my conversation with Michael Stelzner, I want to share with you two articles directly related to podcasting right here at the front of the show. First and foremost is an update, somewhat of an update. It's not really an update, but I guess it's uh, related news to the podcasting patent lawsuit. I want to say thanks to Gabe. I, I, I should have asked him how to pronounce his last name, but he can... Uh, leave me a comment and let me know. Gabe DeMaio, I would assume. But anyway, he sent me a link to an Ars Technica article and uh, the podcasting patent uh, lawsuit. There's a little bit of a thing here. Patent Troll CEO explains why company names uh, wants the names of all the EFF donors. Now, for those of you who don't know what's going on here, there is a company called Personal Audio LLC that claims that they well, actually, they do have a patent on podcasting that was approved by the uh, patent office. However, 
whether or not it's a valid patent that is to be seen they the personal audio llc has used this patent and is now uh, in legal pursuit of several podcasters big podcasters mostly uh, and this has been an ongoing story gosh has it been over a year now i i I needed to look that up. But anyway, it's been going on for a while. For me personally, it's not something that I'm too scared about. Uh, You can go into uh, Podcast Answer Man into the search box and you can type in podcast patent and you'll see all the prior episodes that I've done related to the story. Anyway, one of the things that I had talked about previously is the fact that the EFF, which is the Electronic Frontier Foundation, it's a nonprofit organization that actually fights against really horrible patents and anything related to protecting digital rights and digital privacy and all this other great stuff that is really important to us who make a living on the internet, who share our thoughts on the internet, who want to use the internet in the way that the internet is today, which is relatively free and and exciting and has so much opportunity for us. We want to protect that opportunity for uh, our children and our children, tr- children's children down the road. And that's what the EFF does, the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Well, anyway, they had set up a system where you could donate uh, for them to la- launch a case uh, to where they could fight to show that the podcasting patent is, in fact, invalid and that there was prior art. And it looks like more than 1,300 donors had contributed or chipped in to help them. And this is what Ars Technica is reporting. Now, I'm just going to record or uh, actually read to you the first paragraph. You can uh, read the rest. But it says here, the CEO and general counsel of Personal Audio LLC got on the phone with Ars Technica to explain why the company is asking for the identities of more than 1,300 donors who have chipped in to help the Electronic Frontier Foundation fight its podcasting patent. The subpoena is seeking donor identities and a wide array of other information connected to the EFF's fight against the patent was revealed by EFF in a Wednesday blog post. Uh, The Electronic Frontier Foundation has moved to quash the subpoena in court, saying that while some donors are very public about their support, such as that guy over there at podcastanswerman.com. It actually doesn't say that, but I'm one of them. Anyway, the reality is is that uh, the donors do have a First Amendment right to contribute anonymously. If you want to read that, I will have a quick link to that in the episode show notes at podcastanswerman.com slash 345. Again, it's kind of like a non-update. It's just to show you that, man, this, this patent troll is now out there trying to get the identities of anybody who's looking to fight them. So anyway, um, I personally, I, I, I still am. I'm still extremely optimistic that this patent will be found invalidated and will continue to keep you posted as we learn more information over here. So, uh, and that's so funny that I continue to say we, <laughs> anyway, I will do my best myself and my entire staff. How's that? (laughs) All right. One more other podcasting related item. Do you guys remember the software for the Mac called Comment Cast? I think is what it was called. Let me. uh, Yeah. Comment Cast. And it was made by a company over there. Marchio or let's see here. M-A-R-T-I. Anyway, I can't even remember where it was. It it had a really weird um, uh, URL. 
which is, by the way, one reason why he should have really good, <laughs> memorable URLs and some things maybe closely related to, I don't know, cometcast.com or something like that. But anyway, the reality is, is that this software is going away and the software, for those who are not aware, is a lot, it will allow you to see all the comments are in, I'm sorry, written reviews that are posted to your podcast. Well, if you have an iPhone app or if you had music, it, it actually allows you to see all of the reviews uh, related to anything in the iTunes store. Now, you may or may not know this. In fact, I would imagine that there are hundreds of you, if not thousands of you listening right now that don't know this. But if you actually go into the listing for your podcast in the iTunes store and you look at the number of ratings there and then you look at the uh, written reviews, you may think that if you, let's just say you see 15 or 20 or even 150 different written reviews there, you may have this impression that that's all you have. And it's probably not. Matter of fact, it's almost certainly not the case. In fact, what happens is if you actually go down to the very bottom of your iTunes uh, software, you will notice there should be a little tiny icon for an American flag or whatever country you may be uh, you know, from or signed into on the iTunes store. And if you click on that, you should be able to change your view from the American store or whatever store you're in and change it to the store of another country. And you'll see that those countries actually display different things in their their iTunes store. You'll see the the different kind of stuff that gets featured and and things of that nature. But if I was the exam for example switch to Canada, all of a sudden and then I go over to type in my search for my podcast in the Canada I store um iTunes store, what will happen is when I look at reviews, I will no longer see all of those reviews from the US. I will start I will only see the reviews from Canada. And then you can do that for each of the other countries. The problem is, is there's a lot of countries. So how do you know, how do you get all of this stuff? Well, this is what Cometcast was designed to do. It was a piece of software that you could download and install on your Mac. There was no PC version at all. Uh, and as a result of that, um, you know, a lot of people just weren't aware of what some of these other people are saying about their show and weren't able to thank them. So what Cometcast allowed you to do is, is actually go in and punch in all of your different podcast URLs, and then it would actually download all of the written reviews for every country, and it was a really awesome piece of software. Anyway, we got a notice. If you had the software, you've gotten a notice that says, you are receiving this email because you are a registered user of Cometcast. Recently, the developer of Cometcast decided uh, he would no longer maintain the product as the product was originally de- developed for me, after a comment I made on one of my podcasts, he asked me to look at possibly maintaining it in the future. Uh, let's see here. As I have, let's see, as I have found the product genuinely useful in the past, I want, I was keen on, let's see, keen to see such a product remaining available to the podcast developer and author community. After reflecting on the best way to move forward, I have had time to, uh, I have decided to transition Cometcast from a Mac application to a web application called ReviewCast. A limited free service is now available online at ReviewCast.io. So that's ReviewCast, one word, dot I-O. 
Over time, I will be adding more features and paid accounts that will re, uh, reintroduce many of the features that are found in Commoncast today. Uh, which, When uh, such accounts become available to you, you'll be eligible to access the service for free as a thank you for being a paid up Commentcast user. I will contact you about this at a future date, providing you don't unsubscribe from the list that, uh, provided you don't unsubscribe from this list so that I can still contact you. At this time, there is no further plans to continue development of Commentcast. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email me and I'll do my best to reply promptly. Steve Scott, a.k.a. Scotty from ReviewCast. Well, there you go. Uh, Very interesting. Uh, I'm glad to see that uh, this software is no longer going to be Mac only, but they're going to create a lot of that functionality into a web-based version. Um, and I may or may not know of something that is going to come into the future that may or may not be a competitor of this. I'll leave it at that and move forward to our social media segment, who I have standing by right now with me, my uh, <coughs> social media correspondent, Eric J. Fisher. Eric, how's it going, my friend? I'm doing well. Good to talk with you. It's been a while, it seems like. It feels like it, yeah. Every Have, have you, uh, like, you know, how are the kids... <laughs> We haven't talked in forever. What was it back in New Media Expo? They're, they're grown and off to college, and no. <laughs> has it has it really been since New Media Expo? Have you been on Podcast Answer Man since then? Yeah, the last time was actually when uh, Scott Stratton crashed. Oh, the that's podcast. right. Okay, never mind. So it wasn't so, that long ago. No, it's been a couple of weeks, at least two, three weeks. But uh, you know, it kind of got to take a breather after something like that. Yeah, you you can get a little too much cliff exposure and. <laughs> It can be damaging. Yes. All right. So we've got about, uh, it looks like we have about 13 minutes to cover three topics. Uh, Real quickly, let's start with the whitification of Twitter. Yeah. So I thought that Twitter had just redesigned and they did, you know, new fonts, new color scheme and all that. And so I see this Mashable article come through and I'm like, Twitter testing major profile redesign that looks a lot like Facebook alarmist headline. And I'm like, what? Didn't they just redesign it? It doesn't look like Facebook. And then I click over and I'm like, oh, that's different. Yeah. So exact. It, it is much different. In fact, it, it looks much nicer. But I will say this. If you go, if folks are listening right now, if you go to twitter.com and you sign in to the homepage, it pretty much looks exactly the same, except for the fact that the tie, there's a little bar at the top and it has home, connect, discover, me, and it's got a couple of icons up there and stuff like that. And the one thing I noticed is that it's this, it's, it's like what I remember getting this shock from iOS 7. Everything was white. Mm-hmm. It's cleaner. It's whiter. It's sparser. It's. I would argue that it, it may not be cleaner, but it yeah, certainly is. Yeah, that's why I used other words. <laughs> it, it's, it's whiter, that's for sure. But... It, that that's one of the biggest turnoffs from iOS seven for me. I really do like iOS seven, but I didn't like how white it was. In fact, when they came out with the new version of Tweetbot three, I think it is. Yes, with the dark theme. Yeah. Well, well, when they first came out with Tweetbot three, it was this default white, and it was awful looking. And it was like 
okay, I am never using Tweetbot again unless they bring back the 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 dark theme. And of course, what did they do? They brought back the dark theme, and and thankfully they saved it. And I absolutely love Tweetbot three with the dark theme, but. I'm I'm seeing this little white bar at the top, and it's like, oh my gosh, am I going to start having to wear sunglasses when when I read Twitter on the web? And that was my concern. But yeah, it, but the thing is, is mm-hmm. that you know your profile right now is kind of just like in a little floating window over top of the background, and you know there are little boxes underneath with the who to follow and the trends and stuff like that, and and the the actual timeline or the new what what do they call it is it do they do they call it a timeline i i don't i think so or is it the news feed i don't know anyway whatever the box is with all the tweets that come down that still seems like a a disassociated box from the background and and it's not necessarily feels like it's connected to anything it kind of free floating on top up there um you know you can't move it but it's still it's separate but in this article all of a sudden it the the new design of Twitter, which I hear they've been turning on and off, maybe uh, for some people have have you heard of them turning it off? Uh, yeah, I mean they've done they do that with features. Like remember there was the you can DM anybody option. Yeah. So anyway, but um, there's this article on Mashable. It is Twitter testing major profile redesign that looks a lot like Facebook, and we'll put a link to this in the show notes uh, notes as well. And it is not actually as white as what it is now. There's a little bit more of a a, a bluish gray hue to the background, and I think it'll really offset a couple of things. And uh, it it does actually look cleaner, and it does look a lot. It actually looks like a mixture of Pinterest and Facebook put together, and almost a little bit of Google Plus. And a little bit. Of, well, I wouldn't know because I don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there once. It's, um, it's like that Bob Newhart. Uh, yeah. Stop it. It's like, no, we don't go there. <laughs> anyway, just kidding. Keep in mind, we're looking at a profile page, which is different from the actual just when you go to Twitter.com. This is true. And there's a difference between that Twitter.com and your profile page on Twitter right now as it is. So, Well, and that I guess... We'll have to wait until to see how things happen. One of the things that I noticed um, is that if you were to log into Twitter, um, instead of telling you the exact number of tweets, like, for example, it used to say 20,700 and some odd tweets, but now it says 20.7K. And now my follower account is 11.5K instead of saying the whole thing. However, if you have, let's just say 3,000 or less, or I don't know what the exact number is, where the break off is, it actually still tells you the exact number of tweets. Have you seen that on some of the profiles? Yeah, it, it, I think it's got something to do with when you go up into the 10,000 mark, well, they add the K. You might be right. I, I still, I do think that I may have seen somebody who has like, let's just say 6,000 and it actually, so here's Jared. Jared has 1,834. So, oh, you know what? You're right. I wonder if I've seen anybody with a, a single K. Yeah. I think it's just adding. Yeah. You might be right. Okay. So if you go, if you go in at 10,000 or above, that's when it turns into the K. I guess with their bigger font, they just didn't, couldn't be bothered to, to put the full number in there. 
Not that it matters, but I I just noticed it as a design. Hey, it, this is Twitter. They're they're being you know uh, savvy with their character count. Yeah. Well, anyway, this is this. We just wanted to touch on that. Is there anything that you feel like? I mean, is this really even a story other than the fact that there's a web redesign coming for Twitter? Uh, no, I, I think that, well, I mean, it's the profile redesign. I'm looking at a Verge article that says Twitter tests massive profile redesign that focuses on photos. Mm. So I think that's the issue here is they're, they're moving to a point where they're wanting to, and we've seen this progression happening where they are incorporating and even more so now emphasizing photos, photo and other visual content Along with the, you know, 140 characters. Sans, sans Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they still won't, they still won't give us a placard for our Instagram photos anymore. Nope. Uh, anyway, but yeah, so that makes a lot of sense. So basically when I put out my tweet today, I just simply said, you know, Hey, this is what I'm covering. We're, we're live right now with podcast answer, man. This is what we're covering today and put a link, you know, that would be a boring old text only tweet. Uh, whereas on, you know, Facebook, I sometimes will take my, you know, you know, on air sign or live now sign and put that image with it. I, you know, in the future, it'd be important to put that not just in Facebook, but also in Twitter and probably all of our social media channels that allow us to put a photo with it. But for whatever reason, I didn't do it on either of the services today. Statistically speaking, those tweets that have those images get seen more and retweeted more. And there's also that whole thing where if you're viewing on twitter.com and somebody replies it somehow it bumps back your original tweet back up into the feed and then shows your response you know somebody else's response along with it so engagement that way brings tweets back up to the forefront for everyone nice from what i've seen so so use more images and the th- thing is well that, well hold on i'm st- pet peeve alert (laughs) yes exactly i was just getting ready to go there boy have we seen the internet marketers really pick up on this one (laughs) Uh, yes oh my gosh it's 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 insane the number of images that have big huge tweets on them hey i have an idea of how you can get beyond 140 characters let's put a paragraph on an image (laughs) Yeah, that or that or honestly not optimizing your image to be seen when it goes through the tw- the timeline on Twitter.com. Like, I'm not always going to click like it's not always going to be an interesting enough half cropped thing. That's what the preview is that they show that I'm interested in even clicking through to see what the whole thing is. Yeah. You got to take that into account. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I, I will say this, though, Th- this focus on images is and it goes back to our conversations about the, the relationship stuff that we continue to talk about and harp on that we love. But I, I will say this. I love the fact that images get this extra attention and care and, and it's previewed for us right then and there in our preview and and stuff like that. And it was really great when I saw people in, with the photos that they just took of their family and their outing and they're doing this and they're doing that and all of this stuff. But I don't know about you, Eric, but I feel like with this, I have now seen like Twitter is, I mean, we, we had talked about all the links and links and links and links and links, but now it feels like I remember the time when I used to drive down the expressway and, and there was this beautiful drive between here and there and, 
and you could just look at the the rolling hills in some area and the flat land where you could see so far that you just you could almost see the curve of the earth. It was so beautiful to drive down that freeway, and today all you see are billboards everywhere. <laughs> yes. And so, oh my gosh, be so basically what we're telling you is be prepared. We've entered the age of the billboards. Everybody can put a billboard in your, in your timeline. You know, stop at the next exit. Next exit, you know, turn right here. Oh my goodness. Will information marketers never stop? No. No. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, and and you know what? I feel so bad because I'm an information marketer. And I use those things sometimes, but man, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you somebody who I can name because this person won't get upset because they don't know me. Lori Grenier is probably one of the worst offenders of this from, from Shark Tank. She is nonstop on the billboard images. Go guys, look her up. Lori Grenier from Shark Tank. Follow her for one week and you'll, you'll notice exactly what I'm talking about. She, she is these are not all i mean now the thing is is sometimes she does picture you know show pictures of herself just before she's getting ready to go on to uh you know on air for qvc and when she's actually meeting with one of the companies that she invested in from shark tank and i love those photos but there's a whole lot of what i will call billboards which are basically big gigantic oversized advertisements that they've thrown into your newsfeed for something yeah, it's anyway, it's it's you got to figure out how to get around it. Yep. All right. So moving on to something else really cool. Facebook paper. What do you think? I like it. What is it? It is. Oh, yeah. What is it? <laughs> it's an app. It's an app that came out from Facebook for Facebook for iOS only. And technically speaking, it's it's only an iPhone app but uh you can use it on you can blow it up on your your ipad whatever size you have and facebook paper yeah it's a it's a redesign i guess in a way of of how to approach and read and consume facebook content and in fact some people have said that well the 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 facebook killer came out and it's facebook yes i've heard <laughs> so, that as well um, real quickly, so so that's exa- how you explained it is kind of how I heard of, heard of it spoken as well, but it's also kind of like a, a flipboard killer as well. In fact, it is a flipboard killer for me because I I was only mildly interested in flipboard, and this one I like the interface better. I don't know why I do, but I I do. I kind of like the flicking the through the way that it's all set up in. And Facebook paper. The only thing is, is Facebook paper, or actually paper by Facebook, does not yet allow you to add your own news sources, and it and it is kind of limited to what they what they've curated for you. But there are uh, headlines. Uh, matter of fact, let me pull up mine. I, I will tell you what I have in my Facebook paper. So I'm, but it, by by the way, Facebook. I did actually delete the Facebook app. And I only use paper now, but I have Facebook, I have tech, headlines, enterprise, ideas, pop life, family matters, creators, planet, and LOL for some comedy. 
So anyway, th- those are the the things. And what it does is, um, obviously, when I'm on Facebook, it actually shows me uh, what's going on in the timeline of my friends. So it, it's kind of like my news feed. Um, but then I can go over to tech and I can actually see curated some of the top tech stories uh, out there from The Verge and all this other stuff. And I love this because here's the deal. When I was on Flipboard, <clears throat> I was subscribed to The Verge. I would subscribe to Mac Rumors, and I would subscribe to some of these other ones. And what I found on Flipboard is that I would go from one, and then I would go to another, and I'm reading the same thing. There might be a couple, very few, unique articles to each one, but overall, if I spent five minutes in each of them, Four of the five minutes was actually seeing something that was rehashed from somebody somebody else that's reported on the same thing. Did you have you ever noticed that? Yeah, yeah, I did. But if I go into the tech section of paper, I don't see that. Um, what I see is basically I see the actual usually what's the original source that reported it and and their thoughts, and they ex- they don't necessarily include all the rehashing of the same coverage from all the other sources, at least not right next to each other. You might see, you know, somebody else following doing a follow up story, and and it might come from a different source down the road. But there's a good mixture of of tech stories coming from a wide variety of sources that I personally would have never subscribed to. But man, am I seeing some awesome stuff. I mean, I. Here, here's the deal. I never subscribed to TechCrunch before. Um, Nine to Five Mac, I never did. Tech Meme, I never did. GigaOM, I never subscribed to. Um, but the, the Recode, I'd never even heard of Recode before. Uh, I never subscribed to the New York Times. So I mean, there is a ton of of sources in here, and it and it surfaces to the top. Really, the the content or the actual tech stories that are of most interest to me. And I personally, I never followed headline news like the, the no stuff like that, but it does do a pretty decent, decent job of, of if I wanted to just get a real quick glimpse at, you know, what people consider to be the things that you should know about that's going on in the world. The headline news is kind of cool to just flip through for just a second. And I don't necessarily flip. I actually do that whole, um, uh, swiping, you know, down by the on the bottom section, I just swipe through the stories and and I just look at the little headlines to see if there's anything I want to read. And if I, if it all of a sudden it gets too depressing, I just you know I just move on to the next thing. So paper, yeah, paper, and, and it's uh, going to be ad free at least for a while. They said, yeah. And and the interesting thing here is uh, when when you actually were to if you were to take your finger and swipe down you will see that you can actually go to your own news feed and you can see um, you know, the kind of content, how people would see your profile. Another thing that you can do is if you swipe down, you can create a post there so you can actually write things from it. And also when you're swiped down, you can actually click search and you can actually uh, search for your friends online and stuff like that. There's pretty much everything you could do in the actual Facebook mobile app. You can pretty much do that here. Only it's much more beautiful here. It may not be as intuitive, and you may not fi- you may not be able to figure it out right away. But um, it, you know, it has the little Facebook faces when somebody messages you. It gives you the rec- number of people who are requesting to be your friend, and it gives you your notifications. And by the way, the notifications in fa- in the paper app from Facebook with the little blue dots for the unread ones, brilliant. 
because that is so much better than the Facebook mobile app, which is kind of oh, yeah. just like it, it's like a milli. It, I don't even know how it's just like one shade darker than the 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 color of the ones that are on red. It was horrible, but the little blue yeah. dot to the side, absolutely awesome. So. Facebook yeah, paper. so I mean, this is a great alternative. Like, if you don't like the fo- Facebook mobile app, well, you may li- you may not like this either. It's a matter of preference. But the fact that they're releasing both that you could pick yeah. or use both, honestly, absolutely. And of course, it's called Paper. If you go into the App Store on your iPad, I searched for Paper and could not find it because I don't believe they actually have a an iPad version of this yet. No, there's not. But it actually does look great on an iPad mini with Retina, so you can do that. Uh, it's just going to be hard for you to find it. I found the easiest way to get it installed on my iPad was to actually go onto my iPhone and search for paper, and I found it. And Or if you click when you're in the store and you search for it and don't see it, click iPad only and select iPhone only, and then it shows up. Yeah, there you go. You can so. do that as well. But anyway, download it. It's it's called it's just called paper. It's not called Facebook paper. It's just called paper. And it's by Facebook and it is amazing. Amazing. So there you go. And then of course, uh you know, we're, we're I've already timed everything out. We're probably just over an hour already. But uh I just got to say, the flappy bird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Eric, tell me what you think about flappy bird real quick. Well, I, I saw it focused on this, the App Store, and I said, oh, okay. And it was free, and I downloaded it and didn't get around to it. Then I saw all these people that I knew saying stuff like, oh, Flappy Bird, blah, 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 like, uh, you know, like they would with Candy Crush. I'm like, okay, it's popular. I better see what it's about. And I played it, and yeah, I don't – it's stupid. <laughs> like, I think it's a stupid game. <laughs> And I think that, uh, yeah, it's 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 fine to have a difficult game, but to have a game where you almost don't get any thrill out of it as you're playing it <laughs> and only frustration, like, yeah, I'd, give me a game where at least I get endorphin hits as I succeed throughout, not just, anyway, whatever, I hate it. Deleted. That is so funny. I score a four. Deleted. Okay, so here's the deal. I think that you probably never played the updated version, which, by the way, because you've already downloaded the app, I think you should still have access to re-download it since it's an already purchased or downloaded thing. I would love to have a confirmation of that because I've I'm I'm afraid to delete mine. <laughs> and besides, I wouldn't want to because guess what? Out of all the games I've ever played on my iPhone, guess what my favorite all-time iOS game has ever been? Oh, you're killing me. Flappy Bird. This is my favorite game ever. I love it. Uh, my, ho- my, high school, er, my high score on my iPhone is only 19. I think I'm at 21 on my iPad mini. It is easier to play on the iPad mini than it is on the iPhone. Um, but I do love it. I absolutely love it. I I love how hard it is. I love that it takes no mental energy whatsoever. I love that I can do play this game with one finger uh, while I'm waiting in line at Chipotle. It is it is awesome. Um, it is it, it's just a lot of fun. I I really enjoy it, and I'm really sad that those who have never played and and you know what I love about Flappy Bird. I love how viral it is, or or was, 
because it doesn't matter where you go. I'm I'm in line. I'm in line and not showing my screen to anyone. And I'm just waiting. You know, they're put you know, they're they're putting stuff on my burrito and stuff like that. Everybody in line behind the counter at Chipotle, Flappy Bird, right? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, I saw you're tapping. <laughs> oh, jeez. Like, so they, I mean, they knew. I went to Daddy Daughter Dance Night last night at uh, at the studios where my daughters dance, and um, you know, I had a f- few free men- moments and stuff like that. And and uh, Megan's like, "Are you playing Flappy Bird?" And all of a sudden, everybody in her in her class were talking about, fl- or in her dance class was talking about <laughs> Flappy Bird. I mean, there wasn't a single person that I've met that has not played. Flappy Bird. Anyway, <laughs> now I will tell you that uh, yeah. you know it, it it can cause some rage for some people. I don't understand that. Uh, my my son, I told him that if he actually throws his iPad on the floor one more time, uh, he will never have Flappy Bird ever again. <laughs> <laughs> so you do have to watch it. But uh, I yeah. So the the question is, how does this fit into social media segment? And, and I think that it's because. This game is ridiculous and it has no reason to be so addictive, but it is. But the reason why I have it is because of social media. It's because of how people have said, you know, it, I can't tell you how many it's, it's darn you flappy bird. Only they don't say darn. <laughs> That's all you have to say. Darn you flappy bird. And all of a sudden the people who know what it is are like, they'll respond Ah, tell me about it. Blah blah blah, and it's a conversation starter. So if you and and here's how this can be great in social media. Are you going to a conference? If so, if you want to, number one, do you want to know how tech savvy somebody is and how plugged into social media are they are, and if they're engaged enough to say what the heck? If they're if they're the inquisitive type that says, hmm, I wonder what the buzz is about this goofy game. If you want to find out what type, just all you have to do and you come up to somebody and and you can get all the niceties, you know, so who you are, what, you know, what do you do for a living and blah, blah, blah. So tell me, what's your high score on Floppy Bird? There you go. That conversation starter <laughs> right there. Yeah. <laughs> so what is your high score? I just told you I'm, ni- I'm 19 on my iPhone and I'm uh, 21 on my iPad mini. But um, <laughs> do you know that as you were talking, I just played it and got 25. <laughs> <laughs> so so you were beat that cliff so you were able to re-download it oh yeah awesome Actually, it was still on my ipad so oh uh, well see i want to see if somebody can delete it and re-download if it by the way if anybody's had the game deleted it and then has the ability to re-download it from the previously purchased or previously downloaded stuff leave us a comment at podcastanswerman.com slash 345 because the world needs to know. <laughs> Not. All right. <laughs> Eric, thank you so much, my friend. You're welcome. All right, my friends. I am so delighted to have on the line with me right now my great friend, Michael Stelzner. Mike, how's it going? Cliff, it's spectacular. Thanks for having me. Hey, I am so glad to have you on here, my friend. I, I, I should do this more often. But, uh, you know, how things get, <laughs> kind of get your own It's like, <laughs> I got to share this with the world. But, hey, I am so excited. Um, gosh, I, it's just a couple of weeks away. We're coming up on the second. 
can I say annual? The second annual? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So this is going to go on for a while. So um, anyway, social media marketing world. Uh, last year, I came away from your event and gave the Podcast Answer Man community a review of what I thought. And the word that I came away with was this was one very classy event. Yes, and um, I appreciated that positive word so much. I ended up taking a clip out of your old podcast and playing it on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love it's it. It's an endorsement, and I, I, I really, I really um, respect you a lot. And uh, that, those were fine words coming from your lips. Well, I, I tell you, I had a great time, and I'm looking forward to coming back again. Now, folks, um, the cool thing here is we're going to talk about some other stuff here as well. I'm sure. But uh, I, I did want to have Mike on just to talk about social media marketing world, this conference and why people should come. So I just want to go ahead and get that here in the front of this conversation and stuff like that. But, uh, Michael, you, you've you been doing um, social media related events for for quite some time. They've just been online events. How did you get started with that and uh, what led you into doing a physical event? Well, we started, we, we founded Social Media Examiner. I founded Social Media Examiner back, back in October of 2009. And I knew that the way that I was going to fund it was with our online summits. And my business before Social Media Examiner was the white paper business. And um, back when I was the white paper guy, uh, we, we did these copywriting success summits and white paper success summits. And I experimented with a social media success summit back in early 2009. And it was like a gangbuster hit. And I knew that, you know, the marketing world was really interested in entrepreneurs in particular and trying to figure out this constantly changing world of social media. So I had been doing online conferences, frankly, for years. And we got to the point where we were doing three online conferences a year. And finally, uh, last year in the spring of last year, I decided it was time to do a physical conference. I had been working for a year in the planning and you know this cliff um i just there's something special about people coming together and while it's true that social media allows us to connect together in a way that we could never before on twitter and facebook and linkedin groups and stuff there's something magical that happens when you bring like-minded people together wouldn't you agree absolutely it's actually the hands down the best thing that i've ever done in my business is to uh, invest in going to conferences and, uh, and, and one of the things that I will tell folks, and I don't have any problem saying this to you because of something you just said to, on Ray Edwards podcast. In fact, I just listened to Ray's interview of you talking about this same topic, uh, just last week. And one of the things that I loved that you said as the creator of the conference, in fact, if you want the best opportunities for you at social media marketing world is if you just skip all the sessions and spend all your time at this event, networking with people. Well, you know, that's how I started Social Media Examiner. I went to two different conferences and I took a camera crew with me and I literally videotape people, uh, speakers. And the little secret <laughs> that a lot of people don't realize when they attend conferences is that the speakers tend to skip out on the sessions and hang out in the halls and they tend to hang out in, you know, the public areas. So I learned very early on that if you want to get to meet these people and possibly, you know, interview them or get them on your show, your podcast down the road, the best way to, to, to do that is to skip out on some of the sessions and actually network with them. Now, having said that, I will say that um, there's a couple things that makes this conference unique. The networking is clearly one of them, 
but I think the content is also another one. Um, every single speaker has been handpicked and curated by me and we have over a hundred of them. So there is none of these kind of showing up randomly into a, uh, a keynote or a session and getting something that is just not appropriate. Um, but as far as the networking stuff goes, Cliff, here was, here was, a, here was my thinking, man, how I wish when I went to a conference, they had opportunities built in for us to shake hands and get to meet people without music glaring in the background. Oh yeah. What I hated was going to these nightclubs for these sponsored parties and the music was blaring at, I don't know, 500, op, 500, whatever, you know? And the only way you could hear anyone is if you literally got right next to them and yelled into their ear. I hated that. And I remember going to conferences and seeing all these social media people with their phones out, communicating on their phones and not with each other because it was so loud. So what I decided to do with Social Media Marketing World this year is um, secure a naval aircraft carrier and the night before the conference opens, we're getting 2,000 marketers on the aircraft carrier. And it's the second you walk into it, you're handed these networking bingo cards. And you remember this from last year, right, Cliff? Oh, yeah. And the first thing that happens is you walk into an environment where everyone is getting to know everyone. And they've got these little cards. And, you know, you try to find people that have different things like someone who has more than 10,000 Twitter followers or someone own, that owns a share of Facebook stock. And it's just this immediate opportunity, regardless of whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, to really quickly meet people literally before the entire conference starts. And then the next morning, we have dedicated walking and running groups that meet at six o'clock in the morning for those East Coasters that are already up and about. And after the keynote, we literally, the opening keynote, we literally bring up the lights and people turn to their left or their right and they start networking with each other. We've got... Um, these people called networking ambassadors that we hire and their whole job is to basically help people network. So, you know, you, you need to try to meet someone who's a podcaster or you're looking for somebody to help grow your business in this area. They just help facilitate that. And this year we're doing some cool stuff, Cliff. Um, we've got stickers that people can put on their badges and we've got one that says podcaster, one that says blogger, one that says B2B, B2C. And you put all these little stickers on your badge so that when you meet people, you can immediately know whether or not you share any common interests or not. Isn't that kind of cool? I like that idea. Now, just a, just a thought: um, is that are those stickers? Can you put them on both sides so that? So that yes, we're gonna have duplicates of yeah. every sticker. Awesome. <laughs> yep, I'm thinking ahead, man. I know, I know. It's, it's, that's just how just tend to flip around, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny uh, how we think. But it, yeah, anyway, so yeah, I love that. And and by the way, th this conference is an amazing network opportunity. And and one of my greatest pet, pet peeves was the same thing you were talking about: going to a networking event where there's the loud music. That is actually the if if there were nobody talking, the music so loud it would hurt your ears, and certainly you can't talk over it without losing your voice in five minutes. Which, as a speaker at an event, is is horrible. So I I, I do love that. Now, last year, um, you did something unique, which was uh, for the very first opening night, you had this networking party at the Natural History Museum, I believe it was in San Diego. Yep. So this year, it's on the aircraft carrier. Yeah. So now, I, I I just want to say that I I love that I I love the fact that you that you've gone through such great expense to create such a valuable environment, uh, you know where the environment itself leads to ice breaking conversation, which is very difficult for some folks, but it is very easy in these and the you know the type of environment that's created at the National Natural History Museum, and of course, obviously, that will be. 
uh, natural here at the uh, aircraft carrier. I hear there's we're going to be able to do flight simulators and all kinds of stuff there. Yeah, and also, um, you remember last year we had that um, we took that yacht out on San Diego Bay. Well, guess what? We just decided we're going to do that again this year too. So, in addition to the aircraft carrier on the first full night of the conference, um, we have the largest private yacht in Southern California. We're going to get a thousand marketers on that thing and go out and tour San Diego Bay. So that's yet another networking opportunity. Basically, what we're doing is is kind of like we want to create kind of like a Disneyland experience, meaning. Um, literally you're taken care of from the moment you arrive until the moment you leave. And it's not just the fun stuff, you know, and by the way, I'll tell you a little secret cliff that a lot of people don't know. We purposely do not have speaker rooms at this conference because, uh, having spoken at lots of conferences in the past, the speaker rooms are the place that the speakers retreat to. And then no one who isn't a speaker can really get to meet them. So instead, we have this massive place we call our networking plaza that's just got tons of tables in it. And everyone kind of just goes in there and hangs out. And because our um, our conference takes place in a hotel, if a speaker needs to prepare, they can just jet up to their room and come right back. But yeah, we, we've, we've pretty much thought of just about everything you can imagine to make sure that the experience there is one, I mean, l- let's put it this way. It won't be very hard to find, you know, the Mari Smiths and the Cliff Ravenscrafts and, um, you know, all the other high profile speakers, Michael Hyatt, they're all going to be just kind of wandering around, hanging out, and it's going to be a great opportunity to, to meet them face to face, which is what I'm excited about. Absolutely. And there are going to be some great folks there. Uh, you mentioned Michael Hyatt's going to be there, Chris Brogan, uh, Mari Smith, uh, Ray Edwards, Amy Porterfield, Pat Flynn. Dan uh, Miller. Dan Miller, Dan Miller's coming again yeah. or coming this year. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's yep. right. Cause we're, he's actually on a panel that Eric Fisher is putting together, right? Yep. We have 30 podcasters, believe it or not. Sweet. Of the, of the hundred people that are coming, um, Brian Clark from copy blogger, um, just tons of people, John Jantz from duct tape marketing, Ted Rubin. Um, so it, yeah, it is pretty much a who's who of um social media people and and by the way even though we have 30 podcasters coming they're not all talking about podcasting it just so happens that a lot of the thought leaders in the world of social media also happen to be podcasters and and for a good reason because that's the best way to become a thought leader everybody yes (laughs) is is to have a podcast Ah, that's awesome stuff. Yeah, so this is going to be a great event i i encourage everybody to uh participate what are the dates of the conference for folks it's March 26th, 27th, and 28th in San Diego, California. And if folks want to sign up, I have an affiliate link that I'm proud to tell you guys about. And the link to sign up where uh, you can go through my affiliate is gspn.tv forward slash social media. Again, that's gspn.tv slash social media. Or if you don't want to remember that, just go over to uh, podcastanswerman.com and click on my image on the social media marketing world in the sidebar, and it'll take you right there. Very cool. Well, Michael, I, I tell you, I'm, I'm excited about social media marketing world. I went last year. I had a blast. Um, unfortunately, but very fortunately, it was the greatest opportunity in the world, but one that I actually took up a different opportunity. You encouraged me to take my family last year. Yeah, you know... Um and you did, and it was great to meet your wife and kids. Yeah, I, what that's what's great about San Diego is. Uh, did you guys end up going to Legoland or any of these kind of theme parks we've got down here? We went to the San Diego Zoo, and we went to SeaWorld, and they did the whole San Diego trolley tour deal. 
Awesome. Well, San Diego is one of those cities that has a lot of really awesome things to do. Um, you just mentioned two of them. Um, we've got tons of beaches and we've got obviously a Legoland, which is really unique. I think there's only one other one in, in America. I think it's in Florida. Um, and with the new Lego movie out, I'll tell you what, man, kids are going crazy over Legoland. I, I mean, going to a place where everything is made out of Legos, including the rides. Well, you got to, you got to, next time you bring your family out, you've got to try Legoland. I will. I will. Well, the, the big deal is last year, uh, social media marketing world happened at the exact same time as my kids spring break. So we took an entire week and brought the whole family out to San Diego last year as a result of that. And, and I, I'm pretty sure you're aware of this, that, you know, I, I came for the day that I was speaking and I was at all of the networking events, but there was a second day of the conference that I spent the whole day with my family. And I, I do not regret that at all. But this year, the family staying behind and I am so looking forward to spending every opportunity during the entire conference. Uh, so I will be there. So if you guys are listening and you're coming, I will be there for all of it. And I'm very excited to see you guys there. You know, it's kind of uh, cool about um, the way we've structured it is it's a Wednesday, Thursday, Wednesday night is the opening night party. And then Thursday and Friday is the conference. So an enormous amount of people are coming in either a few days early and staying the weekend or coming in, you know, the day of, and then staying the weekend. And the weather in San Diego, <laughs> I don't want to rub it in for those of you that are about to, you know, deal with serious snowstorms and stuff, but it's generally around 70 degrees year round. I'm wearing a t-shirt today and, um, you know, it's like, I think when I came in this morning, it was in the sixties, so almost no humidity. So, uh, it, it's, and you probably had a really good weather experience when you were here last time, right? Uh, yeah, it was very nice. We had a, a wonderful time. It was very pleasant for sure. So, hey, Mike, here's the deal. Let's transition, uh, change gears here for a moment. Yep. You started your podcast. You hired me just over a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. And you launched your social media uh, marketing podcast. And I want to know what has your experience been uh, as it relates to the podcast now that you're looking at over a year of content creation through podcasting? Yeah, it's been over, it's been about a year and a half and I called the, the podcast Social Media Marketing and originally it was designed to be a promotional technique for social media marketing world, right? So you can see the connection between the name of the show and the name of the conference. And in the beginning, frankly, it was kind of an experiment, Cliff, to see whether or not it would help kind of create buzz and excitement about the conference. And it's grown into so much more than that, Cliff. I mean, it has become, I think one of the most important marketing things that I've ever done in my entire life. And I, I've said this before and I'll say it again, that it is the most rewarding thing that I've ever done, bar none, no matter what. Take all the things that I've ever done and I've done a lot. Um, you know, I've been doing this for 18 years and meaning, you know, owning my own businesses and it's been the most rewarding thing. And I'll tell you what's really kind of cool, which freaks me out a little bit, is when I go to conferences and people say, I hear Mike Stelzner's voice. Where is he? I don't know what he looks like. <laughs> <laughs> and for me as a social media guy, I can't grapple with that because it's like my face is everywhere on social media, but it, it's really helped me develop an entirely new fan base. It's given me an enormous amount of respect in the industry. Um, it's allowed me to exercise my creative muscle, which has been hard for me because I've got a decent sized organization now and I've got a lot of people that work for me and it's just allowed me to kind of um, stay sharp and stay up on the industry and interview really awesome people. So 
I am one of the biggest proponents of podcasting, very bullish on it. And I really do believe that, um, you know, we're still just getting started in the grand scheme of things. Absolutely. Industry. Yeah, absolutely. Hands down. uh, All the people who years ago said podcasting says like, listen, it hasn't even left infancy yet. Of course, now it has. We're in the toddler stage now. You know, it's it's starting to stand up and walk on its own without falling over too much. (laughs) <laughs> we're still, yeah, we still got a ways to go though. I'd say we just learned to walk. <laughs> but that's exactly what I'm saying. That's, that's where we're at. You know, we've taken our, we've really, really in 2013, we took some really big first steps without support. And, and it is, I, I, I do, I kind of, I see podcasting as an industry, as, as this, as this baby that, that came into the world in 2004, 2005 and, and is, is slowly growing and, uh, you know, especially the folks who, you know, kind of poo poo on the word podcasting, I'm like, dude, you guys are stupid. Just keep the word podcasting. You don't have to call your show a podcast. You don't have to tell everybody you have a podcast, but it is a podcast. And they're like, but nobody knows what it is like back in 1995. Nobody knew what a blog was. <laughs> they still don't know Cliff. <laughs> yeah, that's not true. I, I think pretty I, I think probably seven out of 10 people's grandmothers know what a blog is today. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, you know, it's really ex- exciting because, you know, because I own Social Media Examiner, I keep my my tabs on the social media world. Here's what I've been saying lately, and I think it's very important for people to hear this. I believe that uh, because Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn are now public companies accountable to shareholders, um, and they're now all pushing paid product, that um, for us small business owners and entrepreneurs out there, there are only two things in the world right now that allow us to maintain control and ultimately own and, 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 you know, market our business. And they are blogging and podcasting only. And let me explain why. Video does not do this. Video does not do this because in the end you are reliant on YouTube and all YouTube would need to do is change the rules a little bit and everything changes. But with blogging and podcasting, because of the RSS feed, you control complete syndication of your content. Uh, no matter what, you have complete control over all of it, where you do not with these other mediums. So what I have been singing from the hilltops lately is if you want to regain control of your marketing, you must not you must not abandon social media. You must still be involved with social media, but you absolutely must um, create written content and audio content in the form of a podcast. Um, because it is really the only thing that you have complete control over. Now, I do know you can do video podcasts, but we know the vast majority of the world isn't there yet. So I do believe that if you want to make sure that you can build a platform that you can call your own, there's really only two ways to do it with blogging and with podcasting. And I believe that those that are investing in these things right now are going to have huge fruit down the road. Awesome. Well, Mike, before we go, I do want to ask one other thing, I, 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 and I meant to ask this when we were still talking about the conference, but uh, I know my audience of Podcast Answer Man, my target audience anyway, and a, and a vast majority of the folks who are listening are similar to myself, and even you in a, in a way, uh, you know, full-time solopreneurs or entrepreneurs who actually have a business with maybe anywhere between zero all the way up to as maybe as many as you know 10 15 or 20 employees that's that's my target audience that's who's listening right now and one of the things that i found a a little bit confusing for myself was who is supposed to go to 
uh, social media marketing world. And one of the terms I continually hear you say, there's going to be X number of marketers there, marketers. And yep. I, and and I'll share with you real quickly. And I don't think I've ever said these words to you, so people get this real, uh, real real live conversation between the two of us. But when I hear the word marketers, when I as a speaker and I was preparing my talk, immediately I have this assumption that this is big corporate brands and the people who call themselves or have the term marketer or PR person for, let's just say, an IBM or a or Hewlett Packard or any of these other companies. These these are marketers. The that's who this conference is for. But what I found when I went there is there were a ton of entrepreneurs who were just like me. And so I know that... Well, well yeah, let me answer this question because yeah. here's the thing. I've spoken in front of literally tens of thousands of people over the years and I have asked constantly, raise your hand if you're a marketer. Everyone's hand in the room goes up. Then I said, raise your hand if you own your own business. 70% of the people in the room raise their hands. People who are self-employed, almost always call themselves marketers, Cliff. Really? This is just um, some copywriting experience for me because, you know, you may not know this about me, but I've got a lot of background in copywriting. Most, Most people that own their own business that are successful also consider themselves marketers. Why is that? Well, let's talk through that because you may perceive yourself to be the chief bottle cleaner, you know, in all these different roles, but anybody who, um, has a podcast understands that their job is marketing and they just self-identify as marketers. And this is one, you know, the conference is called social media marketing world. So the conference is about marketing. And if there's anyone who wants to learn about marketing, it's the, the entrepreneur because smart entrepreneurs understand that that is what can differentiate them from everyone else. If they can figure out a way for low cost or next to nothing to get the word out about whatever it is that they're doing, then their business will grow. And I think that every successful entrepreneur understands the key to what they're doing is marketing um, more than anything, especially podcasters. So they self-identify themselves as marketers. For example, we've been doing a survey every year called the Social Media Marketing Industry Survey. And Nearly every single person that takes that survey, almost 3,000 people, call themselves marketers. And then we go on to ask them to identify their role in the company. And a significant percentage of them are solo entrepreneurs. Nice. So it's just a, it's just a language thing. And, um, you know, you are a marketer, Cliff. Yeah. So if you were to ask me in an audience, if you were in, in an you know, how many of you consider yourself to be a marketer? Well, I'm I'm a marketer. I'm a, I'm in sales, but I believe everybody's in sales. I believe everybody's in, you know, market something. You know, when you're date, you know, when you're a young guy in high school and you're dating a girl, you're you're in sales. You're trying to sell your 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 ability as a soulmate uh, to that person, to the to the ladies out there. So you're marketing yourself as a free agent, if you will. So I believe we're all into marketing. I believe we're all into that. But I, but when I, I guess what I, I'm sharing is when I actually hear, you know, this is a this is a conference for marketers, and and then I remember going to the landing page and seeing all these big, huge, you know, uh, t- corporate corporate brands, and I'm They're like, wait, be there? They're absolutely yeah. going to be there. But yeah, no, I hear you, and maybe you know. Maybe I should state marketers and entrepreneurs, but I will tell you this is, and we should probably disclose this, this is not an inexpensive conference. Yep. Um, you know, this conference is more than um, um, a lot of the conferences that typically, you know, um, 
smaller um, entrepreneurs or people that haven't quite figured out their business um, would attend. This is more of a conference for the person who's already got a business and wants to take it to the next level. Absolutely, and see that, and and that is you're, what you're saying is absolutely right. I, I totally agree. This isn't necessarily for your just your 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 hobbyist blogger who's hoping to build something on you know some side income. Although those people would find it valuable if they really did invest, and it might actually take them to the next level faster than they ever dreamed possible. True, uh, but. The reality is, is that this conference is for entrepreneurs, small business owners, whether or not you call yourself or think that you are technically a marketer, you are in marketing, you are in sales because whatever your business is, whatever your message is, whatever your brand is, your goal and desire is to market it or get noticed to grow your audience. And so this conference is for you. And that's what I want to tell people because I don't know, for whatever reason, I, I just all of a sudden I thought, you know, no, I totally hear you. Yeah, and I, we are trying. We are trying to. Um, we are trying to send a message, frankly, to. Um, you know, I, I don't want to deceive an entrepreneur who's a total rookie just getting started. This is the show for them. And that's why we use the phrase marketer, because someone who's been in business for a little while and understands the value of marketing is the kind of person that this conference is for. Yeah. And the other thing to keep in mind is this is a global conference too. We've already got people from more than 35 countries coming to this conference, you know, from as far away as, you know, India um, and Canada. I mean, not Canada, China. Canada is not that far away. <laughs> All the way from Canada. I love it. All the way from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. But yeah, no, you made a good, dis you made an important distinction. And I think this is important for anyone who's listening right now, whether you come to this conference or not, you are a marketer. If you are a podcaster, you are a marketer. And, and just like I tell bloggers, you are a publisher. It's time for us to put on our caps and step into the role that we really need to be. You know, I've been, you know, keynoting at blog world in the past. And I've said, look, raise your hand if you're a blogger. And then I said, okay, you are a publisher. Start thinking like a publisher. And those of you that are podcasters, you are marketers. Start thinking like marketers. If you're not thinking like a marketer, that may explain why perhaps you've hit a plateau. If you start thinking like a marketer, then you start asking yourself, what techniques should I be employing? How can I better use all these interesting social networks? How can I improve you know, um, in certain kinds of techniques to build community, for example, and take my passive listeners and drive them into active communities. And how can all that ultimately drive the bottom line in sales? These are the kinds of questions that we need to ask ourselves to go from just being quote unquote, a podcaster to actually putting on the marketing hat, which we rightfully should be wearing as a podcaster. Awesome stuff. There you go, my friends. So if you, now I hope that if you're listening to this, you've maybe given yourself a little bit of a clue of whether or not this is the conference for you. Again, I will be there. Michael will be there. And a bunch of our other friends will be there. It's going to be a great time. We hope to see you there. And Michael, thank you for coming on the show and uh, letting people get a glimpse into what's going on. And I, I'm so excited to hear how bullish you are on podcasting. It uh, It's a huge blessing to all of us when folks get that excited about well, thank this you. medium. It's my pleasure and thank you for being such a strong evangelist and for training me, man. I wouldn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't have an audience and, and a podcast right now if it wasn't for all the great work that you've done. So keep up the good work and thank you. And well, my friends, that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Podcast Answer Man. I thank you for tuning in yet to another week and I'm so sorry that it's just over an hour again. 
I'm really going to try to make the next several episodes just under one hour or even less possibly. We'll see if I can do that. Anyway, uh, real quick, I just want to say thank you to those of you who have been using my Bluehost affiliate link for signing up for your hosting account, uh, crystalclearamerica.com, sharpsticks.tv, and the enrpodcast.com. All three of those folks used my affiliate link to sign up for their hosting account. And of course, those of you who have been listening for a while, you know that I get a very generous commission when folks do that. Also, something I have not promoted on here in a very long time, but if you are looking to take your podcasting to a whole new level as far as the equipment that you use in your studio, I encourage you to check out my Podcast Answer Man Equipment Package. It's basically everything I use in my studio that is absolutely essential that uh, I for, for creating Podcast Answer Man and all the other podcasts that I've created. It's over at podcastanswerman.com slash equipment. That's right, podcastanswerman.com slash equipment. And uh, you can see that package is right there. And of course, it comes with a tutorial on how to hook up equipment gives you a lot of other uh, valuable tutorials with that as well the inside the studio tutorial does and you also get a diagram of how to hook everything up all the different cables where do they go and the best part about the podcast answer man equipment package is the fact that you get everything right the first time there is no more getting you know waiting for days for the ups guy to show up you get everything opened and out of the box to realize oh my gosh i forgot to get this cable well my friends that does not happen when you have the podcast answer man equipment package so there you go that's my sales pitch for my podcast answer man equipment package at podcastanswerman.com slash equipment and uh oh by the way i did just open up the registration for my april podcasting a to z course now i'm in the middle of my February session. I have 30 students and they are rocking it, having a wonderful time. And you heard last week's episode, I've really freed myself up to even deliver more value and more of my time and more of my energy to my students. So uh, the, the folks in the February course are already benefiting from that. You can benefit from that as well in the April session of podcasting A to Z. And uh, yeah, so go ahead and check that out. Podcasting a to z.com that's podcasting a to z.com i'd love to help you get your podcast launched and your message out into the world until next time my friends i encourage you to take everything you do in life to the next level helping you to get the It's a man.